0: And so what I want to talk about tonight for the moments that I have is talking about birth announcement etiquette, all right? I'm also going to share what I've learned from a newborn baby that's known to me as Ryden baby, and then I'm going to finish with what I think is kind of the startling nature of Luke's birth announcement, all right? So let's pray. Mighty God, the shepherds and the angels of old were full of your praises. So God, we ask that you would move among us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we too might hear and experience the wonder and the joy of your living word as we seek to welcome the written word into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So maybe nothing more in life produces like more joy than the birth of a baby, am I right? For those of us who understand this. But before you get to the birth announcement, you first have to let people know that you're expecting. So I did a little research. Here are some of the more creative ways that i found people doing this, all right? Here we go, birth announcement. (laughs) That's pretty creative, all right? Baby assembly and maintenance, I like that one. Uh, Anyone get this one? A, a vanilla ice reference in church. Yes, ice ice baby. Um, I guarantee you there is not another vanilla ice reference in this country in church tonight. I'm sure you are the only one. Um, I had to do it. There we go. And if you can't read this one, it says eviction notice. Please note that you are required to vacate the premises within 27 weeks as the new tenant is expected to move in on March 10, 2014. <laughs> so here's a picture of a real one. This, this was from, from my family. Um, our, our birth announcement for our daughters, now we have twins, so they had, each have to have their own scrapbook, which is why there's two. I was supposed to say that, um, or I would have gotten in trouble. So when you're writing and you're thinking about birth announcement, you're supposed to consider all those questions that you would ask of a new parent. Name of baby, name of baby's parents and siblings and grandparents, baby's weight, length, location, and this is no joke, even a baby's web address, okay, and social media links. Because evidently from what I'm learning, even today's babies come with websites and Instagram accounts. Mine did not. Now, back in November, November 17th, I received this text message from one of our own congregation members, Wendy Ridenauer, and in this text message, she was announcing the birth of their grandson. And so later that day, I was with a really good friend of mine who's in my small group that we meet every week, and he asked me about all the details of this birth. He wanted to know the answers to all those etiquette questions, right? I knew nothing. Nothing. The only thing I knew at that moment was the text message I got said that Ryden baby was born. That's it. So he did not find me very helpful. Well, later that evening, I got another text message from Wendy. Now, this time she sent a much more detailed birth announcement. She said that Luke Arthur Rydenauer was born to Matt and Abby at 2.25 p.m. on November 17, 2017. Weighed in at six pounds, four ounces. He was 20 inches long. Wendy described him in the message as a bundle of joy. She said that mom and dad and baby were all resting well. Now, her text message this time answered all the essential questions. Did you even know that there's such a thing as birth announcement etiquette? Did anybody even know that? I didn't, right? She answered all the questions. It was perfect. But the thing is that I noticed about hers that I saw did not see in any of my research, was this is how she ended her birth announcement. She said this. She said, God is good to all the generations. God is good to all the generations. Now it got me thinking about the Christmas story. Luke, the gospel writer, like a pretty good historian, he he does a good job by today's birth announcement standards. He gives us names and dates and places and circumstances. So we heard that news of this regional census for the purpose of collecting taxes had come down from Caesar Augustus, so pregnant Mary and her betrothed husband Joseph, they make this 90-mile, three-to-five-day trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so Bethlehem is significant. It's Joseph's ancestral city. More than that, it's also the place foretold in scripture where the Messiah would be born. And so there's no room for him at the overcrowded Bethlehem Inn, so baby Jesus is born and wrapped in pieces of cloth and placed in a manger. This is just incredible. In all likelihood, a simple feeding trough in an animal stall. This is where Jesus was placed. And so the story of Jesus' birth is really simple. It's brief. It's straightforward. He kind of arrives with no fanfare and almost total anonymity. The son of Jews of average social status. Then we're told about the identity of this child when the angel of the Lord appears. And this is is important to me. The angel of the Lord appears not to religious professionals, not to to people like me. The angel does not appear in the temple in Jerusalem, not to good church-going folk either. But the angel of the Lord appears to these wandering shepherds who are keeping the night watch over their sheep. The good news that was great joy for all people, Scripture says, is this. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And so we get in this one incredible sentence the identity of the child that was born that day. He's Savior. He's the one who will deliver us. He's Messiah, the anointed king that Israel had been waiting for. He's Lord, the master of all that was, that is, and will ever be. And so we look a little closer at who this birth was announced to, the lowly shepherds. And here we get at what I think is the startling nature of the birth announcement. That the birth of Jesus was first announced to the wrong kind of people. This is what we're supposed to understand. The least impressive, the least deserving by most people's standards, the ones that were voted least likely to succeed, right? These are the people that God announces the birth to. And so it's amazing to think that God has these shepherds in mind at the birth of his son. Jesus' birth is announced in these fields of isolation and loneliness among the disenfranchised and the forgotten to guys who really probably felt as if they were in a spiritual desert. Now, shepherds were important in the overall economy of their times, but they came from the bottom rung of the social ladder. They were actually stereotyped as liars and degenerates. They were often portrayed as thieves who fell short of God's standards. There were people who had been removed from polite society because they had done something that was so scandalous to the community. They were pushed out into the fields to do the work that nobody else wanted to do. Now, the smell of sheep in Jesus' era was the mark of shame. Anyone who's ever gotten a whiff of sheep will understand why. You could smell these guys coming a mile away, literally. And when they were approaching, people knew exactly who they were. They knew what they had done. And these stinky shepherds were people to be avoided at all costs. This got me thinking when I started looking at this more closely. Like, how many people do we know that feel alone? How many people do we know that feel like outsiders? How many people do we know that feel like these shepherds, people (laughs) that have given up hope? who question if in their dark circumstances in their lives that maybe God has forgotten about them. We keep these people in mind for the next few minutes because this is an important word for those of us who find themselves inside the church. We learn that while many of the religious establishment, we learn that while the religious community may have written off these shepherds, we see that God has not Luke is announcing that this birth really happened in human history. Christians call this the incarnation, God taking on flesh in Jesus. God becoming one of us. It announces that God has drawn near in order that we can come to know God personally. And so in 1739, Charles Wesley wrote the first version of one of the songs we sang, Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Here the second verse we sang, Veiled in Flesh the Godhead Seed. Hail the incarnate deity. He understood that God was not content to be just a concept that we believe. What Christmas says is something very, very different. And the announcement of the good news of the birth of Jesus was given to the most unlikely people on the planet. And so looking at this birth announcement, again, it gave me some fresh perspective. Together, we hold those who feel far away from God. We hold these folks in our hearts, in our minds, in our prayers. Because to me, the most exciting thing about this birth announcement is that God's angels are announcing to those who feel like outsiders that God has not given up on them. God has not given up on them. This gets me fired up about Christmas. Honestly, it's something that even goes beyond a good slice of prime rib. And that's hard to do. While we trust that God meets us here in this place, we know with absolute certainty that God is also out there beyond the walls of churches announcing the birth of Jesus to the poor, to the disenfranchised, to the lonely, to all those who, like the shepherds, have all but given up on God. And so maybe the question for us tonight would be, what is a proper response to the birth of Jesus? As I thought about it, maybe it starts with the curiosity of the shepherds and it ends with praise. The shepherds' curiosity had led them to Bethlehem to see the birth that the angel announced. They heard the promise in the cold dark of night, but they come to Jesus at first light. They believed the good news that was announced to them. And when they found Mary and Joseph, they found the child lying in the manger. They shared with them what had been made known to them. It says that they all praised God for the things that they had seen and heard. And guess what? This this was my favorite part. No one ever says this. Joseph and Mary didn't kick them out. Joseph and Mary did not kick the shepherds out. This is what they're used to. We see something different here. And so maybe in conclusion, just give this a moment's reflection, that as we worship right now, God is also at work out there, just like on the night of Jesus' birth, announcing the good news of great joy to those who have all but given up hope. Personally, this inspires me to want to add my voice to the great multitude. God knows that my voice ain't going to make the choir sound any better, which is why Jeff puts me back here on the drum. (laughs) But my life, our lives, particularly all of our lives together, can actually serve as living announcements to those who could use some good news that the light of the world, Jesus the Christ child, has been born. This is what the... Christmas story should inspire us to do. So as I look back at Wendy's first text message, I just said to myself, you know what? She's right. We're reminded tonight that God is good to all the generations. And so we can join our voices together, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Amen? Amen. I would like to invite uh, Vince Cimino up. Normally I close my sermons in prayer. And this young man likes to pray for other people, so I've invited him to, to say my concluding prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm very blessed today, spending time with my family, having a good dinner, and getting to open presents, but I know there are many people who won't get those things today. Please send those people who who lots of love and let them know that someone was thinking about them on Christmas. Help us see how we can bless other people more too and announce the good news of the birth of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.